0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, My co host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random X a Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. This is the show where we discuss and analyze football prospects on all levels beyond the industry standard. High school, college, and the NFL draft. You name it, we cover it. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects101pod. And today we're talking defensive backs, mainly cornerbacks. am extremely excited to introduce my co-host Brandon Pastel, who is a DB, who intercepted a starting Arena Football League quarterback.
1: That's right, Randy Hipperd. He was an MVP, I think, for the AFL at one point. I believe I so. Yeah, um, but it was due to my freakish athletic ability and the way I was able to read his oh, eyes in high school. Is is why I picked that off. And the only reason I felt bad for him is just why I let him tackle me that same play. Is because you know he was a senior about to get trying to get recruited, and I was a true freshman. You know, in in high school, I didn't want to rush it that year and I just I picked him off and the rest of the game he proceeded to throw I think 450 yards against me but
2: outside that it's a pretty good game <laughs> and I'm also joined by someone who was also on the field at that time but is not a defensive back and that's Brandon Glessner. I am 100% not a not
0: a defensive back in any way shape or form I even in high school I was what I would call a run defender um <laughs> A down so, are, you, are you a downhill player, Glus? I would call myself a box player. If you get me outside the box,
2: I was in trouble in the
0: open field. That's what I can tell you.
2: <laughs> oh. Well, like I mentioned, we're here to we're today we're continuing our position series, our position breakdown series. If you haven't listened to that yet, Go back and listen to the last few episodes we've dropped. We've done the entire offense from quarterbacks to offensive line, and we started on defense at the defensive line edge position. We did linebackers the last show, and now we're moving on to the cornerback position. So what we're doing on these shows is we're breaking down what we think are some of the top prospects for the 2021 NFL draft that are currently in college football. glass and Pastel, why don't either, why don't one of you guys explain what the criteria was for your picks and why you picked who you picked today?
0: Yeah, I'll kind of kick us off there. I mean, there are a couple things I looked at that was most important when I was looking at these players and and looking at some film of them. And, and obviously with the NFL being uh, very favored towards the pass, again, I think I said on one of our last pods, it's about 65-35 is the current split. You know, so how, how they play the pass is obviously the most important. You know, how are they uh, in man coverage? How, how are they in zone coverage? how is their technique when they're in man coverage, you know, are they good in bump and run? Do they have to play off? Um, how are they in, in phase and out of phase? And, and what I mean by that is, is in phase is essentially what it sounds like. I'm step for step with the wide receiver. And am I in proper position? Do I have my head uh, looking around ready to make a play or you know, my out of phase most of the time, but I have really good makeup speed to get back into phase and out of phase is, is exactly what it sounds like. I'm, I'm not step for step with the wide receiver. I have to make up ground because either I missed him off the line or he's just faster than I am. Also looked at how they were with the, when the ball's in the air. Um, are they attacking the ball? Are they driving their arm through the, rec- uh, the receiver's wrist when the ball's arriving, you know, are they a ball hawk? Are they out mm-hmm. there, you know, getting mm-hmm. interceptions left and right? And, and last, how are they in, in tackling and how are they in space? And, and I think sometimes that gets lost when we look at corners. And there's, you know, two or three guys that we're going to cover today that I think are extremely impressive tacklers that I think, you know, if you can tackle in the NFL, you're going to be all right. And, and they'll find a spot for you out there on the field mm-hmm. if you can make sure that you're not missing tackles and, and, you know, you can break down and get the guy on the ground. So those are just some of the things that I looked at.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the way the NFL has kind of adapted that – four corners on the field at a time. I mean, you really can, at this point, specialize in just one thing or one or two things. So I don't have a problem with guys that say they can just be a slot corner. Then be an expert at the slot corner. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be – I mean, think about, uh, was it Norman for the Carolina Panthers? How He Mm -hmm. just played the left side, and he was dominant. He was an all-pro player. As soon as they had him start following around the best player on the other side of the field, he was completely different corner. And I think in today's NFL, because there are so many corners on the field, just kind of be the best at your position. I, I kind of disagree with you, Glessner, in the sense of, I know run defense is important, but when you have teams that throw 65 percent, seventy percent of the game, I need you to be able to cover. I just need you to be able yeah. to cover. So get your do you, and when you say make a play on the ball, I don't always need an interception. I just need you to get your hands in there, be a disruption when you're up there. But the one other thing that one other trait that I look like I look at from a scout standpoint is the twitchiness. So as a corner, you got to be twitchy. You got to be able to not fall for these jukes that the receivers always try to get you at the the line Mm -hmm. of scrimmage but the ability to not fall for that and if you do fall for it what's your recovery time and that's really that when it comes to that quick twitch muscle that not a lot of guys have and it is hard to develop like that's something that i do believe a lot of guys just have or they don't have so that's kind of something else that i look for as corners is uh that twitchiness the quick twitch uh muscle and then their ability to just specialize in that one part of the of their game
2: yeah, I thought, I thought what was cool, I, I watched a, a video by Antonio Cromartie a couple weeks ago on Twitter. It was during the NFL draft around April, and he was talking about Jeff Okuda and where Jeff Okuda excelled the most. And he showed a ton of plays where he was able to win the route against the wide receiver basically at the line of scrimmage because of how he used his footwork and how he positioned his body to, to basically – divert the receiver off the It was almost like he knew what route was coming or 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 could sense like he had an extra sense of what route might be coming in this situation. It was really cool to see the small things Okuda did with his footwork just enough just to position himself in the right spot where the, it basically interrupted the receiver without him ever having to put hands on him. It was basically jamming him at the line without jamming him. It was it was really neat to see the intricacies of that. And for anybody who actually likes to follow defensive backs, go follow Antonio Cromartie on Twitter. He has some of the best content out there. Uh, he runs a camp. It's really cool how he breaks down some of the film on these corners. Talking about that and staying on the, on the cornerback topic, Gless, why don't you go ahead and, and start us off with a couple players that caught your eye?
0: Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with two that, that caught my eye and in the two that I think are actual shutdown corners at the next level. And to Brandon's point, I, you know, not all of these corners have to be shut down corners, right? But if you're going to get drafted in the first round I mean, you're not going to draft a nickel corner in the, in the first round, more than likely, not unless you really don't have a lot of other needs. But you really want to shut down corner. And there's two that really jumped off the page for me. And the second one I think is going to shock you guys. But first one... I I think is probably going to be the first corner off the board, at least the way it sits today. And that's Patrick Sertan, the second out of Alabama, 6'2", 200 pounds. He had a fantastic 2019 where he had 15 pass deflection, six picks. Uh, He also had four forced fumbles, which I think is interesting. So when he had to go make a tackle, not only was he able to get the guy somewhat on the ground, but he's able to force a fumble. I think he's a true shutdown corner. He can play man, he can play zone. I think he's an above average tackler. Uh, not a fantastic tackler, but he's a, a, a good enough tackler to play in, the, play in the league. What I really love about him, though, is his closing speed. So the ability to get from out of phase to in phase or even when he's in phase to be step, step for step with any receiver that he played against. That tells me that he can be a shutdown corner in the league when you need to man a guy up. Uh, I think his technique is outstanding as well. And that's no shocker coming from Alabama. I mean, Nick Saban works with the corners and the safeties and all the secondary guys on a daily Mm -hmm. basis Mm -hmm. that's his thing so you draft a corner or a secondary player out of alabama you're going to be all right so (laughs) that's kind of the the first guy that that i really like pastel would you would you think about sertan when you see him play
1: so i think he's one of those prospects he's probably got the least amount of question marks and and that's where i would argue every one of these other players that you probably will mention and i will mention I have a few more questions on them. With Patrick Sertain, I mean, he started as a true freshman in Alabama's defense, which you rarely, rarely see in a program like Alabama, and he excelled. Now, the one thing with him is, I, so you said great closing speed, but I, I, I still think he's not the fastest player on the field. Um, well, just
0: because you're the fastest player on the field doesn't mean you have great closing speed and vice versa, right? It's it's instinctive. Like, you see a lot of guys that, yeah, they may run a 4 five forty, but when the ball is in there, their football speed's a lot Better than their forty speed.
1: Yeah, and so that's where I would I would agree with you on that then, because I do think I think with a lot of these players that you're going to speak about, I don't think we have any four or three burners really on this list. Maybe besides that uh, cornerback out of Washington, but everybody else is probably 4-5 four, 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 speed. And with Patrick Sertain, I mean that's his only question, and that's what I'm trying to say is like he's a pretty clean prospect. He's, he's got the experience in Alabama's defense, you know how Nick Saban grooms his corners and how well they excelled at the NFL level, so he's just another one in that pipeline to do the same thing. And The best part about him is he's going to have three years of starting experience at the highest level going into the NFL after next year. And I think he's a clean prospect. There's really not too many things besides his straight line yeah. speed, which I think is a little slower than you would like to have as a top 10 pick. What's up, Prospect 101 fans? Looking to win money but think there's nothing to bet on? Well... There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. And the other guy that really jumped off uh, the charts when I was watching some film this week uh, on corners and the guys that would be draft eligible, it's going to shock a little, uh, shock some people because in 2018, his film is unbelievable. I mean, this guy can do freaking everything. <laughs> uh, he can cover. He can tackle. He has great closing speed. He's a great in phase player. So again, going step for step with guys down the field post routes go routes uh throws in the end zone he's always there and he's always right there with the receiver i absolutely loved his 2018 film 2019 wasn't as great as 2018 but i tell you what if he can replicate 2018 I think Paulson Adebo from Stanford will be a first-round cornerback. I I was so impressed with his film. And his film against really, really good offensive competition, USC, Oregon, Washington, Mm -hmm. all with really good quarterbacks, and he played outstanding at the corner position. I mean, he's always around the ball. I mean, there's just no... There was no breathing room b- between him and anybody that he was covering. Uh, and again, one of the things that I also think is he's actually a really great tackler, and I was impressed by that as well. He to me is the only other what I would call a complete corner out of this class.
1: Yeah, complete corner in 2018. He was a completely different player in 2019, though. Like, I mean, his his draft stock probably was the most affected that we're talking about in this group
2: after this past year.
1: I mean, he. He got blown away, I think, by uh, who was the USC receiver, Mont Saint Brown? Is that his name? Uh, he got blown uh, away. Yeah, or,
2: or, or Pittman Vaughn, or, or
1: um, it, it, really any of those St. guys. But just go, watch him go play against the kind of the elite players this past year, and I think a lot of high expectation was coming in after the 2018 campaign, and he absolutely did not live up to expectation. Some of his things was exposed, like his straight line of speed, and again, it's kind of constant theme with these top players. They don't have that straight line speed that you're normally expecting when I say a top 20, top 25 pick, and that's what we're talking about here. If we're talking third, fourth round pick, I have no problem with these guys. When you start talking top 30 pick, I expect guys to be a, a full uh, corner, yeah. shutdown corner like Lesnar was mentioning earlier, with that straight line speed, and he got exposed this past year. Yeah. And if he doesn't duplicate his 2018 film, then I, I don't see him being a day one or day two pick next year. Yeah. Uh,
0: We'll see. He certainly needs a big 2020 to get back into that draft. But I I think that's when I looked at his 2018, I was blown away at how effective and good he was. And, and, you know, some of it, to your point, 2019, it wasn't the greatest season for him. But, you know, the reason that's why he came back to Stanford, right? Because he knows he didn't have that great of a season. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, if... If he can replicate 2018, I think he's a day one pick. Uh, I mean, I think he was that good. So we'll we'll see out of him. Paulson Nadebo out of Stanford. I think that's a name uh, for all of our listeners to keep a, keep an eye on uh, as we go here into the 2020 season.
2: It's always interesting to see how guys respond. What's the resiliency? You know, that's a big thing in the NFL. Everybody's gonna fall. It, famous quote is, "Everybody falls." It's how you get back up that. That is important, and, and can he get back up? Because it shows that he can play like a first-round pick in 2018. He's just got to find his way again. Pastel, what are some guys that caught your eye? Who are some Who are some of the players that, that you saw when you are looking at, at cornerback film that you were like, hmm, I like these guys?
1: So I just wanted to kind of get away from the top-end prospects and dive into a little bit more deeper-level uh, prospects that have the potential to be a second, third, fourth-round pick and some guys you probably never heard of. And the first guy that I wanted to mention was Robert Rochelle, out of Central Arkansas. Now, remember this name, Robert Rochelle, out of Central mm-hmm. Arkansas, because when you see him next year in the combine, assuming he gets an invite, he's going to be that combine warrior. Like, what just happened? Did he just jump forty-five <laughs> inches? Did he just run a four-four forty? Is he six foot two? Like, who the heck is this guy? And and he's a defensive back from Central Arkansas. He's had nine picks over the last two years. the guy's a complete ball a ball, uh, ball hawk with that athletic ability mm-hmm. to mix with it. Good in the run game, he's good in the pass game. The only thing that I kind of worry about this player, is kind of what I mentioned in the very beginning is his twitchiness. Uh so he's kind of taller, kind of uh, more lanky, but kind of in the shorter in- to intermediate routes, he has a hard time sticking with corners. But on the the flies, the post corners and the post He's able to stick with the corner with just purely his length and athleticism and knock those passes away. So I think the one thing that I want to see him improve on coming up this uh, 2020 campaign is just kind of intermediate and closer Mm -hmm. uh, level pass game. And if he can improve on that, then I can absolutely see his draft stock rise up to a day two pick on top of the combine that I am telling you he is going to blow people out of the water this upcoming year. He ran a 10.8 in the 100-meter dash, and he probably jumps about 44-inch vertical. It is unbelievable. <laughs> this guy is unbelievable. And, and the talent's there. He's had nine picks the last two years and over uh,
2: 30, 40 tackles. So, I mean, he's, he's a good prospect. Mm-hmm. Sticking with small schools, are there any more other small school prospects that you saw that you liked?
1: So, this is the guy that I probably am in love the most. I just can't see him going higher than the fourth round because uh, you just don't see guys with this height and this size go higher in the fourth round. So, Cordell Jackson from Austin P. he's the honey badger of the FCS guys. Like, he is that guy that – will be everywhere anytime you need him. If you need a play, maybe mm-hmm. you need a fumble, he's going to get you a fumble. You need interceptions, he's going to get you interception. You need a tackle in the backfield, he's going to be that guy that gets that tackle in the backfield. And here's the fun thing, Kenny, guess who he was recruited by? He was his coach mm. uh, at Austin Peay. Your guy. Austin P would be Will Healy. Will Healy. So that was kind of that recruiting yep. class that they started to get some of these prospects uh, before he left, mm-hmm. and Cordell Jackson was one of those guys. Uh, he played outside for his first two years, and then he transitioned to the Nickelback. Uh, this past year. So it kind of shows that versatility to play inside, outside, kind of all over the field as a cornerback. The only problem with him is he's like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, he's on the smaller end of things. And he's kinda, he kind of reminds me of Amik Armstead. Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of a smaller player, but a really, really good game tape. And I think when you watch his game tape, you're going to be like, man, you you're, he's the player that you're going to hope your team picks early next year in like a third, fourth round pick just because you love his game tape. But just historically speaking, you don't see guys like that go above the fourth round. But he's going to be extremely fun to watch. If you haven't heard of this, this guy, Cordell Jackson, Austin P. he is an absolute game-changer. He finished sixth in the Buck Buchanan Award, which is given to the mm-hmm. national top defensive player in the FCS level. So I expect him to be right up there again this this upcoming year.
2: you got to love small school prospects, and especially this one. I know Brandon had mentioned Will Healy's kind of my guy, and... I've been keeping an eye on him since he started took over at Austin P. And if anybody doesn't know, Austin P was one of the worst FCF program FCS programs in like history. They've been historically awful and they're actually now really 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 good and it started when Healy took over. So what's cool about this kid is, is he's been part of that transformation at Austin Peace. So you know, not only have they been getting better, but they're also getting prospects now who are getting looked at or getting NFL scouting. So it's cool to see that these smaller guys kind of build their resume. Kind of switching back over to the FBS side, and Gless, I, I want you to dig into this guy a little bit, because if you look at the 2020 draft, you see, no surprise, The Ohio State had two cornerbacks taken in the first round. That'd be Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett. I know a lot of people talk about LSU being DBU, but honestly... In my opinion, Ohio State is DBU. It seems like they churn out first-round defensive backs every year, and no surprise, I see in your top three here, you've got another Ohio State guy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Sean Wade, Gless?
0: Yeah, yeah, I love Sean Wade. Uh, Great size, 6'2", at least from a height perspective, uh, 190. Uh, Pretty much full-time was a slot corner uh, for Ohio State, and a lot of the reasons you just spoke about already, they had two first-round picks playing on the outside. Great tackler. Uh, I think he's a really solid zone player Mm -hmm. and played extremely well against, you know, what I would call a slot fade route, which is essentially the slot, and he's running running a fade, but instead of running down the hashes of the field, he actually fades toward the sideline. Played extremely well uh, against that route, and that is one of the hardest routes to stop in football if you the quarterback throws an accurate throw. Played really well against it because he's a really good in-face player. I mean, he's a guy that can go step for step with the receiver. Not many times he was ever out of phase. Just shows you what a great athlete that he is. The one big question mark for him is, can he hold up as an outside corner? He only has 55 career snaps as an outside corner. So outside Mm -hmm. corner either being on the, the, the X or the Z receiver. Um, you know, not playing against any of the y, you know the y's, the slots, the h's, anything like that, so it'll be really interesting to see how he plays here in 2020 as kind of their guy right their dude who can man up uh, with the best that the big Ten has to offer. But what I saw in film there's a lot to like about this guy, and even if he doesn't translate to kind of your traditional corner, he's going to be a heck of a nickel corner in the NFL
1: yeah, I think with him. It, it's okay. Be a slot corner. This is what I was talking about earlier because you look at today's NFL, think about the slot receivers that we have. We have guys that play in the slot like Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen plays mostly in the slot. Even Julio Jones will line up in the slot. Odell Beckham will play in the slot occasionally. Like In today's offenses, your number one receiver isn't always the X receiver or the Y receiver. They, have to line, they line them up everywhere to include the slot. So I think there's a new emphasis on not just having that one shutdown corner, but you got to have a shutdown slot because they play these number one receivers so much in the slot these days that yeah. I love the Sean Wade ability because he's a great slot corner and his stock is only going to go up if he can prove that he can be an outside corner too, because not everybody can play both sides. Yeah,
0: um, No, it's a great point. It's a great point is versatility I think is what get would make him a first round pick. I think it's, I think it's hard to, put a first-round pick on a nickel corner, a guy that Mm -hmm. really is only out there probably two snaps out of the three. But at at the same time, if he can prove that he's an outside corner and and you can bump him in. You know, I heard Jack Del Rio on an interview recently, and he was like, you know, we need like three or four really good corners on our roster because if we don't have three or four, like we're going to get burned to Brandon's point because, you know, you've got four or five wide sets now becoming the, the norm in the NFL. And the other thing about it is the NFL is also extremely taxing. So if you don't have a third or fourth corner that can go in there, that can play the outside or play the slot, you know, guys get hurt easily in the NFL. We all know that. So uh, I think Sean Wade would be an ideal uh, value pick. I don't know, you know, again, you know, what Brandon and I are saying is, if he has a really great senior or really great 2020 as an outside corner, kind of a traditional outside corner or a shutdown corner, Mm -hmm. I could see him being a day one pick easily, but I think him being a slot corner is is fantastic value. And uh, certainly it's a, it's a huge check Mark for a lot of teams
2: well the good news is Kerry Coombs is back at Ohio State this year he was he spent the last two years with the Tennessee Titans and for those who don't know who that is he's the defensive back coach at Ohio State who was actually at Ohio State from 2012 to 2016 took two years went to the NFL and did a really good job coaching up guys like Logan Ryan and that secondary at the Tennessee Titans and now he's back at Ohio State for the first year this year so I you know that guy just seems to churn out big-time defensive backs, and Ohio State does. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's something in the water up there. It's like linebackers at Penn State or running backs at Georgia. They just churn them out left and right. So, well, so remember,
1: remember when uh, – if it wasn't for him getting out of the game, I don't know if Clemson wins that game versus Ohio State last year. Do You remember that? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he the, the one that got ejected? And when he got ejected, like some light switch went off on uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then they ended up winning that game. But before that game, Ohio State, they were – pretty much in control i'd argue for the most part
2: yeah i don't remember if if he was the guy who got ejected was he the guy who got the targeting call against trevor because it was a targeting call against trevor lawrence right yeah i'm pretty pretty sure that was him
0: all right i'm gonna have to do some you know this is what i talked about last week in our pod we need like (laughs) an intern (laughs) (laughs) but
2: i I do know i do know that flipped the switch for trevor lawrence though because he talks about it him laying on the ground and and everybody was, everybody was, all the Ohio State players were chirping at him that he was hurt, and then it just flipped a switch for him.
0: Yeah, Pastel, you're 100% right. He is the guy who got ejected after the question. Yeah, it, it was. It was Sean Wade.
2: Yeah. No. Dang. What could have been? Yep. Gless, sticking sticking with, with corners and, and these kind of bigger guys, the next guy I see on your list, he's 6'4, 205. And. Does that? Con- I, I know. I know that kind of size is rare for a corner. Does that concern you, or or does Israel Mukamu actually, you know, can he can he play corner at that size, and be effective? Yeah, he can definitely
0: uh, play corner at that side and size and be effective if his technique is good and if he's a good enough athlete. I mean, it's just really, it's two two more inches on top of you know Patrick Sertan or Sean Wade. It's just. You know, it just depends on if if he has it, if his footwork is good and if his technique is good. Uh, I love his size though, because even if a guy is running past him, that's two more inches that a quarterback has got to get over him. He's also extremely long, which I think is uh, super advantageous because just his wingspan to be able to drop a ball in there. I'd like to see more from him in 2020. I'd like to see him be better on the line in press coverage. And, man, you know, guys are able to kind of get by him with this – get by him. But with this size, it really allows him to make up a lot – it allows him to make up for that. You know, he's pretty good, you know, when he's getting out of phase, getting back in phase. Because, yeah, he he does have a lot of speed, but his length is really what is ideal. So I'll be really interested to see – not only his 2020 but how they grade him after 2020 because one of the things we're also seeing in the nfl guys is receivers are actually getting a little bit smaller i feel like i don't have the data on this but i feel like the last three or four years in the nfl draft they're six foot receivers six foot one. so yeah you'd love to have that six foot four receiver when he's going up against a guy who's six foot five or six foot six but how valuable is that I I, I don't know because I'm not a you know I'm I I don't evaluate for an NFL team but I would think as a quarterback if I'm trying to throw a fade or anything down the field and you have this long wingspan with six foot four kind of taking up a lot of that room and a lot of those windows I think that's extremely advantageous so uh, I think he's got a lot to work on but there's a lot to like about him too
1: yeah I think he's good in like it'd be good to utilize in the right zone but like you to your point Glessner Today's NFL, it seems like yeah, there's just so many guys that are six one, six foot coming out of the first, second round. That I'm curious how he does, you know, down the field first. These guys and in intermediate routes out of their breaks, and if you kind of look at these guys that are six foot three in today's NFL. Let me just name a few. Like Richard Sherman is one of those guys. Uh, CJ Goodwin, Trey Flowers, Adonis Alexander. Remember Brandon Browner? He was like a six foot four corner. Um, but they're very, 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 very few Brandon far Brown. in between. So. I, I don't How I many times don't did think...
2: Brandon Browner get how many times did Brandon Browner get hit with PED, by the way? That was like I think he got suspended like three or four times for PED violations.
1: Yeah, I think the whole I, secondary I so. had to be on steroids, man. <laughs> hey man, they were legit. Whatever. Legion of Boom. <laughs> legion of, <laughs> legion, of, legion boom. of Boom. They were so good. Oh. But it's it's very I won't say rare, but it is more rare, obviously, to have a 6'3, 6'4 corner excel in today's NFL. Because out of all those players I just mentioned, really Richard Sherman's been the one guy that's been the
0: constant out of everybody at that height. Really 6'3. He he screams a guy that Seattle would take because Seattle loves those six two six three corners because mm-hmm. they play a lot of cover three slash cover one, but it's the same look like pre snap to a quarterback. They don't they don't really know because there's a lot of movement after the ball snap. But it seems like a, a a perfect fit for what Pete Carroll would love to do in Seattle.
2: It'll be it'll be interesting because I think he'll be statistically the tallest cornerback in the NFL uh, once drafted. So it'll be a nice. Test subject to see how these bigger corners continue to evolve and work in the NFL. Now, Pastel, I'm going to switch it over to you here for a little bit because I know you're a Virginia Tech guy, and we'd be remiss we'd be remiss to not talk about defensive backs or cornerbacks and and not mention Caleb Farley. What is your take on Caleb?
1: Yeah, Glass, what is wrong with you? He's the best cornerback in the NCAA football. Come uh, on, Glass. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. He, Homer. He, I know. that's he, he is tough. He reminds me of my freshman year in high school, is what I will say. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> here we go.
2: Shut your stupid mouth and die already.
1: No, but Caleb Farley, he is a very, very interesting prospect with really about one good year of game film, which is this past year. And it was outstanding. Unbelievable. One of the best cornerbacks in college football last year. And... No one could throw on him. I think he only allowed about 200, 250 yards uh, passing on him all mm-hmm. year. So, I mean, it really goes to show that he's a true shutdown corner. The only thing with him and Genentech's all our defense last year, for whatever reason, they kind of switched it up, and you saw a lot more zone coverage, utilizing him in his zone coverage. Mm-hmm. So, you just didn't get to mm-hmm. see him play a lot of man, press man. And that's one thing that I think that's the the jury's still out. So, I would love to see if Caleb Farley can really increase his stock this year and really just solidify his first-round grade by playing that – press man coverage and if he can do that he's got everything else I mean the guy probably has eight nine picks over the last two years he's always been a ball hawk and that's probably due to his wide receiver days back in high school and why he got recruited to play at Virginia Tech but then he he I mean he had a pretty bad uh, leg injury his freshman year which had him convert over to the other side of the football which is why his first really his first year playing corner was in college his uh, redshirt freshman year and it was kind of sloppy, but if you remember his first game, Kenny, was versus Florida State, I think, and he had two picks. It was one of the most emotional, mm-hmm. emotional wins uh, for him and the Virginia Tech program at the time because uh, Florida State was coming off of very high expectations off the year prior. Like, they, people thought Florida State was going <laughs> to be a national championship team.
0: Oh, um, gosh. I, I remember that game. Wait, yeah. uh, Kenny, Kenny and I gave some bad gambling advice to somebody in Savannah when we were <laughs> crashing at your house. That well, wasn't were, even there. You were deployed <laughs> over that
2: game. but uh, I, I I remember that game 100% less. But, yeah, he
0: was he was that
1: guy that picked off uh, – I forgot the quarterback, but picked him off twice. And that kind of just started. Now, yeah, he was very inconsistent his uh, rest year freshman year, but last year he put it all together. And I think he – people, for whatever reason, think he's going to run a 4-5, 4.6, 40. I absolutely think he's going to run a, a 4, four 40. I think he's one of the faster guys in this – this college football season, outside of Elijah, I, I really do think Elijah Molden out, out of Washington is one of the faster guys in football, and maybe it's just because he plays in the slot. But I just love his game tape, and I'm sure we'll talk about him later. But Caleb Farley, I think, has similar speed to Molden at Washington, and I just don't think he gets the love because of his height being six two, kind of a bigger corner. I think people just naturally think he's slower when he's really not.
0: I really I like him was. with the ball in the air, right? So I use the word ball, you know, ball hawk. I think that that if I had to kind of sum him up. I, that's that's how i kind of put him in that category i think out of all of these players in here i think he's the one with that has the most ball hawking ability i mean the ball gets anywhere near a receiver or gets you know within you know, a couple of split seconds of uh, of the receiver when he's uh, you know running down the field. I mean, his hands are always on it. Uh, I was extremely impressed, at, you know, with the balls in the air and him making plays on it. That's what I like about him, I, and I think that's one that really jumps off the film when you take a look at it.
2: Well, I'll say this, Pastel. I wrote your prediction down about his forty yard dash, so we will follow. We will follow back up on that. I'm sure with a a cold take show or a hot take show that that was either right or wrong down the line so he will run faster than fire. certain and wade in the nfl combine interesting bold takes from hot take himself mr Pastel. that's right, right. Gless. Do. why don't you transition and pastel just teased it to elijah molden from appropriately enough UW, the university of washington i feel like this is the homer show for cornerbacks right now <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately wakes both of their corners were drafted in 2020 so we're breaking in some new ones yeah, no,
0: I, I, I absolutely love this kid, and this kid could have been drafted had he decided to come out. Uh, had an outstanding 2019, 79 tackles, 5.5 tackle for loss, 4 picks, 3 forced fumbles, 1st uh, team All-Pac twelve, second team All-American, um, yeah, uh, 17 pass defenses in 2019. He really reminds me of a, a Tyron Matthew vibe when I watch him on film. He plays exclusively in the slot, uh, extremely physical player, Um, you know, outstanding tackler, you know, a lot of his highlights are, you know, being able to get off blocks and playing in the, playing in the box. That's what, you know, I I don't see him as a shutdown corner at the next level. I see him being exclusively a a nickel corner or that fourth uh, defender on the field. He's almost got a little bit of a hybrid vibe with me more than, you know, kind of when you look at a, you look at a Sertan or you look at a Wade or you look in, um, Debo. He's just a different type of dude. He's a lot more physical and he likes to be around the ball. Um, you know, do I think he's great in pass coverage? Yeah, I think he's, I, I think he's good in pass coverage. I don't think he's, I don't think he's outstanding. Like I think a lot of other guys are better when the ball is, ball is mm-hmm. in the air than he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he just brings everything that you want. I think he's probably the most rounded player out of everyone, right? He does everything very well. But I wouldn't say that he's like a shutdown corner or anything. I think he's an exclusive slot-only player. He'll be able to match up with tight ends. He'll be able to match up with H backs. He'll be able to match up with with running backs. He'll be able to match up with with slot receivers. Um, so extremely versatile. I think that teams when they watch him on film are going to fall in love with him because they are going to be able to move him around and be able to put him in no matter what the the different types of coverages are. So. I really like this kid. I think he's going to be a first-team All-American player. I think he's going to take the Pac-12 by storm again. Um, I think he's that talented.
1: I can almost see it right now. He's going to like you said, he's going to be like a first-team All-Pac-12 player. He's going to not do very well at the combine. He's going to get drafted in the fourth, fifth-round pick, and he's going to have a very successful NFL career. And we're going to look back at this and be like, man, where did the scouts get it wrong? Well, it's because they stopped looking at game tape, and they started looking at all his measurables. And and they thought he wasn't going to be a very good NFL player. When, like to your point, Gless, just go watch his game tape. He, you want a guy like this on your NFL roster because he just makes your team better in so many different areas that you just can't really quantify or quantify yeah. because he's just not elite at any anything he does. He's not elite at, but he's just very very good at the things that you just you want on your football team. He-
0: His football intelligence and his instincts are so much fun to watch because he's able to anticipate the play, uh, read his keys, and his football speed, I think, is going to be a lot faster than what he measures out at the combine. Yeah.
2: As we start to wrap up this show about cornerbacks, we're going to do our Get to Know a Prospect segment. For those of you who haven't listened to the show before, this is where we go into a prospect irregardless of position, someone who might be a lesser-known prospect or not might not be that top prospect, such as a Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Micah Parsons type of player. Uh, these are guys we think have upside but just aren't talked about enough. The player I picked today was Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, the quarterback out of Florida, Kyle Trask has a very, very – interesting story. And I remember him coming in last year, watching a game as he comes in for injured Felipe Franks. And the statistic pops up on the screen and it says that he had not started a game since his freshman year of high school. And I'm like, how do you get to Florida if you haven't started a game since your freshman year in high school? It turns out he backed up Derek King in high school that was the quarterback in front of him and he just never transferred like his mom basically said you're gonna stick it out we you gave your commitment to this coach that you're gonna play for him in high school and you're gonna stay and you're gonna play for him well also it doesn't help that it doesn't hurt that you're 65 240 pounds either with a rifle arm but that's who he was he backed up derek king he committed to play for the university of florida after not starting a game, and then he just didn't see playing time his freshman or sophomore year, backed up Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks gets hurt, and this guy just comes in and balls out. In 12 games, he had 2,900 yards passing, 66% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns and 7 picks. I got to say, that's pretty good statistics considering you haven't taken a meaningful snap in about, mm, I don't know, 6 years And then you go out there and you start on one of the best programs in the SEC in the SEC. You're going week after week against elite defenses, against elite teams. And he just went out there and tore it up. Now he's going to enter his, his, entering his senior year, his redshirt senior year. He's now got experience underneath him. And I think he's going to come back a much, much better player. The guy basically took a six-year sabbatical and then just came out of nowhere and blew it up tore it up for Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators, and I think he's going to repeat that success this year, and I think he's going to really, really scream up the draft boards, and with a guy his size, with those attributes, if he puts another season together like he had last year and improves on it, it's a no-brainer. He's probably going to end up being a late day one, early day two pick. Physically,
0: he's got it, right? It's just a matter of getting more game tape on film and him to have out you know, a, a really solid 2020 season. i tell you what, guys. Florida The University of Florida is way overdue for a studded quarterback. So I hope that he lives up to that. And it'd be fun to see Florida back on offense, really slinging the ball around and
2: scoring a lot of points under Dan Mullen. A lot of publications and a lot of media outlets are picking Florida to kind of be this team that's going to come out of of the SEC and upset Georgia right there in the East and take over and, and be that next team. I don't know if they're quite ready to take over Georgia yet in the East. But I think they're ready to compete with them now. I think Flo- I think Dan Mullen's done a great job at rebuilding that team. Kyle Trask has emerged. He now has this quarterback. It's going to be very fun. Also, I'm really excited to see Florida play Miami this year because Derek King's the starting quarterback in Miami. So, I'm what
1: checking, I'm checking right now, man. I was, I was looking to see when that game was. I'm so intrigued, and they're not playing this year. They're not playing this year. Florida they're Miami's not, not a game playing this year?
2: year. Are you serious? Nope. It has
0: to be next year then, right? Because di- didn't they have a – I thought they had a back-to-back. Dang.
2: I would have loved oh, to have seen that match. Oh, man. For some reason, I thought they were playing, and all I kept thinking about was two former high school quarterbacks, the understudy versus the starter. Like, this was going to be a great storyline. That's a, That really bums me out.
1: <laughs> I was thinking the same thing.
2: <laughs> Dang. I, I thought they played – I thought Florida Florida State and Miami all played each other every year. I didn't – I for some reason, I thought that was the case. Dang.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the scouts right now. They're not – I'm not seeing anything 2020 or 2021 right now. I mean, they're playing, obviously, Florida State every year, but I'm not seeing uh, Miami.
2: Uh, that's a that bummer. Is... No no Florida State championship this year, I guess. That stinks. But go ahead and look into Kyle Trask. Look into his story. It's an incredible story, and it's definitely one that, that doesn't come around very often. And And I'm rooting for this kid. It seems like patience is paying off. And I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Well, that wraps up the show, guys. We appreciate everyone who's been listening. We appreciate everybody who's been following along with our our prospects, our positional series that we've been doing. Next week, we're going to do safeties, and that'll wrap it up. What we want you to do, we got some really cool stuff coming down the pipeline for you guys. we got some really cool segments. But – We're also at a time where we're starting to transition to different types of series. If you have a different series or something along recruiting, college football, prospect-related that you'd like to hear us cover, go ahead and leave us a note on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, whatever social media you're on. Go ahead and at us, at Prospects101Pod, and let us know what you'd like to hear from us as we kind of transition to different series down the line. Make sure if you're listening on, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts that you leave us a five-star rating and a review, who knows, maybe we'll do something special for a five-star rating and a review. You leave it, we'll we'll cover it for sure. And also make sure to listen to us on any place you get your podcasts. That could be Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Play, you name it, we're on it. Make sure to listen and subscribe. As always, my name is Kenny Keller, and for Brandon Pastel and Brandon Glessner, have a great day.